We are finishing up our series, Family Function, and if you have not been here, you can go to our website, impactchurchmd.com, and you can uh, recap that. Um, but we've talked about a lot of things when it comes to family. We've talked about marriage. We, the first week was all about marriage, and if you missed that, we talked about how you, you are given an offense, and we built a fence up here, so if you haven't checked that out, do that. And then two weeks ago, we talked about parenting. And we talked about a lot of different things when it comes to parenting. And then Michelle last week killed it. I watched it this week. Um, it was awesome. Just, I love the way the, that the graph went out and everything. Uh, talking about what you do with a family that you don't choose. The family that um, you have, but you didn't necessarily pick them. You might have picked your spouse, but you didn't pick their parents, right? Or you didn't pick that uncle and aunt. And how you deal with, with family that's hard to deal with. And Michelle did a great job on that. So if you have those kind of families and you weren't here last week, I recommend you listen to that. This week is almost like a recap of everything. And here's what we've been learning the whole time, that the function of your family is the foundation from which your faith grows. The function of your family is the foundation from which your faith grows. That's what we've been learning this entire series. And today, it's almost going to be a recap, but we're not talking about any of your actual blood family. Instead, we are talking about a family that is just as important, and that is your church family. That's what we're going to be talking about today, because we all have a different church family. So what I'm hoping that we can learn today is this, that the church is not a building you're in and it's not an event you attend. It is a family you belong to. That's what the church is. The church is not a building you're in. It's not this building that's leaking currently, right? This is not what church is. And we say that all the time, and I think we want to believe that, but for a lot of us, we don't live like we believe that. And I'll give you some examples if about that. Um, when you come in here on a Sunday morning, you know that the building isn't the church. This is a hall that we rent, and any building is not, it's just a building. It can't be a church or not a church. It's just a place, right? But if you ever come in here and you try to act a little holier here than you do the rest of the week, then you might not think it's a building, but you're acting like it's a building. I'm here, so I got to, maybe I was arguing with my, with my spouse the whole way here, but I'm here, so hey, how's it going, brother, sister, or whatever, like how people, some people talk, hey, how's it going? And you try to be all holy when you're here, but then you leave and you act completely different. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you, you were busy yelling at your kids the entire morning, we got to get to church, we're going to be late, we don't, I don't want to be that family that comes in late. And then you come in here and you act a little different because you're in church, you're in the building, you're in church. Or maybe you're here and you hear me preach every week or you hear Michelle preach and you're, you nod your head. You might even take your notes on your impact cards, but then you never live it out. There's a whole other side to those impact cards. I don't know if you ever noticed that helps you apply it during the week. You've never done that. So you go, yeah, that's good, good, good. And then you never think about it ever again because you were in the church. You're not taking the church with you. For a lot of us, we, don't, we know it's not the building, but we sure act like it's the building. The church is not a building that we're in. And it's definitely not an event we attend. And I, as a pastor and a church leader, I will take blame for this one because at some point, some people started to discover and learn that, hey, if we make this more of an event, that means that more people are going to come to church. That's where the people started to learn that. If we make this a big thing that you never want to miss, the people will be here. If we get really nice lights, we get the best manual ever here, we get a lot of crazy stuff eventually people will show up for that because if it's an event, they're going to come. But here's the problem when church becomes an event, and I'm not against any of those things. We literally have all those things. I'm not against that. Here's what happens when we start to make church an event, and here's what happens when the leaders start to make it all about, hey, I just hope you come here because we need to make this a big event. When we do that, you come and it becomes about you. How am I going to be entertained? How am I going to like this worship music? How, how does it fit what I need it to fit? 
It's all about you when it's an event. Because you can come, and if you don't enjoy the event, you're out. If you enjoy the event, you'll keep coming. See, the church is not a building. It's not an event. But instead, it's a family that you belong to. It's a family you belong to. So here's the two questions that I want to wrestle with today. The two questions are this. Why is the church family important? I think that's an important thing for us to understand first. If, if we believe that church is family, then why is it important? That, that should be one thing. And then what will happen when you are part of a church family? Those are the two questions we're going to wrestle with. Why is the church family important? We need to tackle that. And then after we figure that out, what will happen when you are part of a church family? So the first question, why is the church family important? I'm going to give you three reasons why. And um, I listened to Michelle's sermon, and she made fun of me that I give very solid three points. So I'm doing two three-pointers today. Okay, so the first question, why is church family important? Number one, it's why God created everything. It is why God created everything. See, when... Here's the question I want to ask you. When did you become a member of your actual family? When did that happen? Like, was there like a checklist that you had to answer it correctly? Like, maybe when you were a kid, your, your parents pull out this checklist. Okay, let me see. Uh, what football team do you root for? Ravens. Okay, got that one right. Check. Okay, what superheroes, like, who, who do you think will win a fight, Batman or Superman? Okay, cool, Batman. You got that one right. Um, when does Christmas begin? Black Friday, you got that one right, okay. Who's the most overrated artist currently in, in today's world? Um, Kanye, that, that's wrong. He's voice of a generation, wrote a great gospel album. It's Taylor Swift is the most one. So you're not part of the family, you missed the last question. Is When do we become part of our actual family? The day you're born. That's when you become part of your family. No matter what you do, you're still part of your family. No matter how, how great of a child you are, or how bad of a child. No matter what you do when you get older, you are still part of your family. Your parents might not act like it, or your parents might not be good parents, but you're still part of your family. The day you were born, you were part of your family. So when do you become part of God's family? Here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, All honor to God, the God, of, of the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it is his boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. You become a member of the family of God when you are, according to this verse, born again. When you enter into a relationship with Jesus, when you accept that grace for your life, when you allow Jesus' sacrifice to cover your sins, when you do that, that is when you are adopted into his family. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what your family life looks like. When you accept the grace that we have through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice to pay for our sins, we are adopted into his family. And God wants you to be part of his family so desperately that he created the entire universe for the chance for you to be part of his family. That's how much he, that's how much he cares. The entire universe was created in order for you to be part of it. Here's what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, for he chose, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Can you, you guys comprehend what I'm saying? God made everything we see so that you can be part of his family. He created everything. He wouldn't have created anything if it wasn't for us, but he said, I, I want people to come to me and I want to have a family, so I'm going to create the entire universe. You know how big the universe is? Here's how much we've discovered, because we haven't discovered the end, but we've discovered 26.8 billion light years in diameter, between where we are. And here's actually a picture. This was um, 
right there is the furthest galaxy that's ever been discovered, that little red spot. I don't know if you can see it up there, that little red spot. That galaxy was discovered by the Hubble Space Telescope, and that galaxy is 13.4 billion light years away. Now, let me explain what that means, because you're like, what's light years? Are we talking about Toy Story? So let me explain what light years means, okay? The sun to the Earth, the distance between that is 93 million miles away, where we are to the sun, 93 million miles away, which translates to 8.3 light minutes away, okay? So if we do that math, and I said we, I had little John do this math for me because I didn't want to do it. Here is how far that thing is from us. That's the number. I don't even know what that number is. Like, can you even say it? Like, Erica was trying. I don't know what that means. That's how far away that one galaxy, the furthest thing that we have ever discovered is. As we didn't find the end, that's just what we can discover currently. So when we look at our universe and how big and vast it is, and we look at our world and how intricate it is and how our DNA works and how this, the whole world and the ecosystem works, to me, that many miles away seems like a lot of waste of space. Because we haven't discovered, I don't know if you believe in aliens, I don't, but we haven't discovered any kind of intelligent life after this. So it seems like so far God made all this space and we're the only living creatures in here. And I wonder sometimes, like, why do we have so much stuff? And here's, here's why I believe. I think God is trying to show you and show me how big he actually is, that he created everything that, that many miles away, that he is that big, and that his love for you is also that big. He created all of this so that you can be part of his family. That's what he did. That's how important it is. If it is true, well, everything I just said, then the church is pretty important isn't it? Number two, why is the church important? It's why God sent Jesus. It's why Jesus came, because of the church family. Jesus didn't come to teach us some great morals. We can learn some great morals from Jesus. I truly believe, even if you don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God, I believe that if you follow his morals, you will live a better life, and it's the best life you can possibly live, even if you don't believe in Jesus. But that's not why Jesus came to teach us great morals. He didn't teach us how to be nice to each other, even though when we learn more about Jesus, we're going to treat our neighbor and love our neighbor. He didn't teach us how to have good manners. Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, came to this earth to save his church. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. To seek and save the lost. See, the only way we are able to be the church is through the grace that we receive through Jesus Christ. That is the only way. Jesus didn't die for our nation. Jesus didn't die for a specific race. Jesus died for the church, who is us. It's not an event. It's not a building. It's us. And even the best way that it's ever been described, um, and the best way that we've, we learn how to be good spouses, um, Paul talks about in Ephesians, he says that, um, that a husband should love his wife the way that Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He loved the church so much that he died for the church. Jesus came because of the church. Because God said his son, it shows how valuable you are. See, because our value is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. So what I did, I wanted to find some uh, pretty interesting things that were purchased on eBay. Is eBay still around? 
Okay, I don't know if anyone uses it. But um, here's some of the craziest things that have ever been purchased on eBay. I have some pictures of it. Here's the first one. Um, this is a super old Nintendo World Championship. Some of you are like, is that a VHS? What in the world is that? That is a Nintendo. It was the first gaming system I ever had. Some of you guys, it's the first gaming system you ever had. Um, this is a world, Nintendo World Championship. It's a very, very, very rare Nintendo game. This was purchased for $99,902. $99,902. So the value of this is $99,000 because that was what somebody was willing to pay for that. Then here's the next thing. Um, this is, um, uh, I don't know if you guys know who this is. This is Shoeless Joe Jackson. His baseball bat was purchased on eBay for $577,000. So that bat, its value is what? $577,000. That's what somebody's willing to pay for it. Here's, a, here's another one. This one's pretty crazy. These are raisins. Any of you guys like raisins? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be. Most of you are like, uh, it is me, but I don't want to tell anybody. So this, these, are raisins, these are vintage raisins from the 1950s. Somebody purchased this box of 1950s vintage raisins for $700,000. $700,000, according to the internet, which is always right. $700,000. So the value of this box of California Sun Raisins is what? $700,000 because somebody's willing to pay that. Uh, last one. This is a town. This is the town of Bridgeville, California. Somebody purchased this town on eBay for $1.8 million. A whole town they purchased on eBay. I don't know how you could do that. Like, I don't know how that works. I feel like there has to be some kind of zoning stuff. But $1.8 billion. So what is this town worth? Only $1.8 million. That's it. Open 8 million. See, the value of something is what somebody's willing to pay for it. So what is the value of the church? What is the value of the church? According to God, the value of the church is his son. Because he sent his son for the church. And so if that's true, then you are very valuable. You are valuable. Number two, it's why God sent Jesus. And then number three, third point, it's how God is changing the world. The church is how God is moving today in this world. God moves in many other different ways, but the primary way that God moves in this world and changes this world is through the church. See, it's easy for me to look at the state of our world, and maybe you do this. We look at the state of the world and think, like, why isn't God doing anything about some of the stuff we're seeing? Like all those names, we have 49 kids on that angel tree over there. Why isn't God doing anything about some of those kids that are homeless? Innocent kids that are struggling. Why isn't God doing anything about some of this stuff? And so maybe you think that. What, where is God in these situations? But here, here's the deal. God commissioned us as his church to do something about it. That's what we're here for. He commissioned us. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus talking. This is after he's already died and been resurrected. So when he says all authority in heaven, when you die and resurrect, Three days later, all authority has been given to you. All authority in heaven. Therefore, what does Jesus want to do with his authority that he's proven? He says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God gave us the authority to make this world a better place. He even says that he's going to leave the Holy Spirit with us, and it's better for us if the Holy Spirit is dwelling among us than if he was here with us right now. That's what he says. 
says, I'm going to go so you can have the Holy Spirit. And when I think about that, I think, I'd rather have Jesus by my side the whole time. He says, no, it's better for you, the Holy Spirit is in you, living throughout you. So God is changing the world through us, the church. So here's some stats I want, I want to throw out to you, and I'm not saying this to depress you, but I think it's important to know some of these stats. Currently in our world today, and these are the best stats I could find on, on these things, there are 45 million people in slavery in our world today. That's the most people in slavery ever in the history of, of the world. Did you know that? 45 million people in slavery today. There are half a million people that are homeless in, in our country today. Half a million people. There are 400,000 kids in foster care right now. 400,000 kids. And then we, we talk a lot about, I mean, we know what Michelle does. We talk a lot about pro-life issues here. There are 800,000 abortions happening every year. That's the stat I found. Michelle might be able to correct me on that. 800,000 abortions. That is a lot. But God is using the church to change the world. And he is changing the world. Slavery currently is illegal in every single world country. That makes, means it's the easiest time in all of history to end slavery for good because everywhere you go, it is illegal. Everywhere. So there are organizations like the End of Movement that are working to end it, end slavery for, 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 for good. Homeless population continues to go down every single year. Not by a lot, but it's continuing to go down. There are organizations that are there to help adoptions and foster care systems. There's more and more organizations. There are people here that, have, that, have, that work in the foster care system that have adopted kids from the foster care system. And abortion, as of two years ago, has hit historic lows because of some of the great work that people like Michelle and other organizations are doing. God is changing the world through the church. The church is important. It's who we are called to be. So if the church is important, then what is going to happen when we become part of the church? So I wanted to read to you the first look uh, of church and what it looked like from the, from the beginning in Acts chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 42. And from here, we're going to learn what, what will happen when we become part of his family, the church. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, and breaking bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all things. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. That's what the early church looked like. So let's answer our question. What will happen when you become part of a church family? Three things. Number one, you will grow. You're going to grow. That's part of it. When you become part of a church family, you will grow. Um, being a dad has really helped me grow a lot in life. And if you're, you're here and you're a parent, you probably say the same thing. When I used to see a kid acting out in the grocery store when I didn't have kids, I had a lot of opinions. My opinions were that kid probably wasn't spanked. That kid probably needs a spanking. If I was that parent, I would do something about it. Until... I had kids. And then I learned how arrogant I was because, man, it's not that simple. I've had times where I'm in, when I'm in the store with all three of my kids, which why do I do that to myself? And there's been times where I've had a full cart and they've been acting out so terribly that I left the cart. I took the kids out of it, but I left the cart. said, I got to go home. I can't, I'm going to freak out here because they're just grabbing stuff. They're screaming. They're crying. They're, trying, they're both in the same car and they're like wrestling with each other. Happens all the time. 
I was so arrogant and so prideful, and, and I was so confident on how you should be a parent until I became a parent. And I was like, wow. Know what I'm learning? I'm learning how to be humbled. Like, I'm being humbled constantly every day. I've, I'm learning. Here's some of the things I'm learning as a parent. I'm learning that I'm not as patient as I thought I was. I thought I was a really patient guy until you have kids that constantly want to listen to Frozen every single day. You become less patient. I also learned another thing. I learned that I get angry too easily. I get angry too easily. There are times where they're acting out and I cannot help it. I just go, oh, and I'll hit something. And they see it. I get angry. I've learned that I need to work on stuff. Back before I had kids, I thought I was a great person until I had kids. And I learned all the things I need to work on. You will grow when you become part of church family. When you're part of a family, you grow. That's just your next step. And when you grow, you will start living out the unique calling that God has given you. Here's what 1 Corinthians 12 says about your unique calling, because we are all made differently. It says this, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. That we are all part of the body of Christ, the church family, and that we are all unique and we are supposed to bring our own gifts and our own unique talents to the church. But too often, I see people coming to church and they never actually grow in their time at church. They just come and they never grow. And here's what I want to say, and that might, you might feel some of that like, I don't feel like I've grown in the past 10 years, I've just been going to church, and here might be why. You may be going to church for 10 years, but you don't have 10 years of growing. You have one year of experience that you've repeated 10 times. That might be some of us. You don't have 10 years of experience. You have one year that you keep repeating over and over and over, and you're never actually going. When you are part of the church family, you grow. That is your next step. There's no other explanation. You have to continue to grow. If you see the church as a place or an event, you can attend for years and years and years and never grow. But when you start to see the, the church as a body of Christ, as a family you are to belong to, when that happens, your natural response is to grow. Number one, you will grow. What else will you do? You will find community. We've talked a lot about this. You will find community at church. I have talked to many, many, many different people that have been burned by church. They've gone to a church that burned them. They've had leaders that have gone to church. They've had pastors that, that have burned them. And I've asked a lot of these people that I know, I've, I've had the same thing. Like, why, why would you keep coming? Like, why would you try it again? Because there are some real hurts, right? Like some of you in this room have felt with some real hurts, right? From church people, from pastors, from Christian leaders. And I've asked people, then why would you do it again? Because there's a risk of that happening again, right? And every, over and over, here's what I normally hear from most people when I ask that question. Well, I need the community. It's the community that comes with the church that no matter what some, some bad leaders have done, I can't get away from the community. Because we all desperately need community. And I've said some of these stats before, but in 2018, Cigna did a, a poll, and they polled 20,000 people. And they found out that half of the 20,000 they polled felt lonely, and that 40% of them felt that they had meaningless relationships and felt isolated. And when that happens, I've told you this too, but loneliness, the dangers of you health-wise is, uh, uh, when it comes to loneliness, is about smoking 15 cigarettes a day, and it's twice as dangerous for you than it is to be obese. That's how bad loneliness is. And the reason why is because you need community. We need community. That's how we are made. We are made in God's image, and God is a communal God. We desperately need to have community in life. And when you're part of a church family, you will find community. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So you have the same ultimate goal when you're part of a church family as everybody. The same ultimate goal you should, and that is to reach people for Jesus, to help people become disciples. That's what we're commissioned to do, to go make disciples, to look more like Jesus. That, that's what we're doing. But here's what I love about being part of a church community is that the church community is so diverse, right? Like we have different people that are here right now that are so diverse. When, when you're mature, it is an opportunity when there are different people that have the same ultimate goal but are completely different than you in every other aspect that, that is an opportunity for you to learn more about what they know, about their experiences, so that you can become more mature. That's a great opportunity. Here in this, in this church right now, we have everything from babies to senior citizens. We have upstairs right now, we have uh, a middle schooler working with an older adult right now upstairs. That's awesome. We have all ages, all demographics working together. In this room, we have Republicans, we have Democrats, we have everything in between. We have all of that in this room, right? We have all of that. We have Ravens fans. We have some Steelers fans. We have Eagles fans. We have no Patriot fans because they're not allowed in this building, okay? Everyone's welcome, but Patriots fans. Uh, we have people that love comic book movies, that love Star Wars. We have people here that hate when I talk about comic book movies and hate when I talk about football analogies because they could care less about all that stuff. We are so diverse in this room. The family of God is meant to be diverse, you are part of a community that will fulfill a deep need that we all have, a need for community in life. And it will be community that ultimately we have the same goal, but we are all very different. And we can learn and grow because of how different we are. And you can become a better person at the same time. So that's number two. And then number three, our last one, you will learn to forgive. When you are part of a church family, you're going to learn how to forgive. You will. See, there's nobody in life that knows how to hurt you more than your own family, right? They know what gets at you the most. They've been around you long enough. They know the little comment they can say. There's no one in life that can hurt you more than your family. There's no one that will do that. When you are part of a church family, the hard part is we are a bunch of imperfect people. We are a bunch of people that, that are sinners and that will hurt each other, Right? We've been part of that. And I promise you, if you're here long enough, I will hurt your feelings. I'm a very sarcastic guy. And for some people, they love that. Some people, they think I'm mean. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just sarcastic. And I've had people that have gotten hurt by me because I've been sarcastic to them. And I don't mean to. Or I'm just like kind of really quick trying to go somewhere else. I'm thinking about how it's flooding. And I, I haven't, I'm too distracted to talk to anybody else. They're like, well, he didn't say hi to me today. Or that happens. I promise you, if you're here long enough, you will get hurt just like in any community. But eventually, over time, you will learn how to forgive people. See, because here's why it's important. Happy people, people that are generally happy in life, they're happy because they forgive more. The more you forgive, the happier you can be. Forgiveness is not about them. I've said this a million times. It's not about them. It's about you. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness, besides it just being about you, not about them, because it frees you from the chains that they have done to you, that when you learn to forgive somebody, even if they don't even ask for forgiveness, when you learn how to do that, it breaks those chains inside of you, so you're not trapped by it. But here's what else forgiveness does. Forgiveness reminds you of the gospel that we believe. That's what it does. When we refuse to forgive people, 
We are abusing the sacrifice and grace that Jesus gave us. We are. When we refuse to forgive people. Um, the, the disciples were asking Jesus about forgiveness. Jesus tells this story in Matthew chapter 11. He tells a story of, of a servant who goes to the king and he owes the king so much money, money he'll never be able to, to, to give back. It's, it's a lifetime of money he owes his king. And the king says, you need to give it back or you're going to prison. He says, please have mercy on me. I am so sorry. Please, I can't. And the king shows mercy and says, okay, you know what? The debt is gone. I, I take it away. That debt is no longer on you. The servant is so happy. He leaves. And when he goes, he sees one of his servants who owes him a thousand bucks. Not much. And he goes to him and says, hey, where's my thousand bucks? And the servant says, I'm so sorry, I don't have it. If you can just show some mercy. And that servant who had just been forgiven of a major debt he could never pay goes to the one that owes him a thousand, starts choking him and says, you better give me money or I'm going to throw you in prison. And listen to how the king responds to the servant that he forgave and canceled his debt. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 32 to 35. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back what he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This should scare some of us. Because some of us in this room are willing to accept the forgiveness of God and not willing to accept his forgive, not willing to forgive other people. That's some of us in this room right now. What you need to see is that bottom part. This is how the Heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive. You cannot accept his forgiveness if you cannot show forgiveness to somebody else, which is not possible. That means you don't understand his forgiveness. You cannot do it. So if you aren't willing to forgive other people, good luck paying your sins. Because there's a debt to be paid. But the master said, I forgave you. Why would you hold such a little debt over somebody else's head? You need to forgive. And when you are part of the church family, the sad part is that at times you will get hurt. You need to forgive. Not for their sake, for your sake, for you. You will get hurt, but you need to forgive. I don't care what it was. I've been hurt by people. You need to forgive. Does that mean that we just allow someone to, to abuse us again? No. Does it mean we don't protect us? No. But you need to forgive because it's about you. You need to forgive. When you're family, you forgive. See, the church is not a building you are in. It's not a, an event you attend. It's a family you belong to. And all of us are called to belong to a family. Some of you here, you didn't come from a great family. So this is a hard idea to grasp because your family wasn't great. I have good news for you. There is a perfect father who is inviting you into his family. Some of you, you had a great family. Like, why well, I need another one? Because we have a perfect father who is inviting you into his family. No matter what family you came from. So I think there's no better way as we get ready for the holiday season and we get ready for, for Christmas and we get ready to see some of our family on Thanksgiving. There's no better way to start to enter into that than to remind ourselves that we are part of his family. So what I want to do is I want to pray with you. We're going to sing a closing song together. And while I pray and while we sing, 
I want you to think about the family you're invited to be part of. What are some of the things that you've struggled with throughout this entire series or throughout today? Is it forgiveness you need to give somebody? Is it you haven't grown? You're repeating that same year over and over, 10, 15, 20 years? Is that you're not actually trying to find community? You come and you treat it like an event, you leave, you don't know anybody? What, what is it that's keeping you and preventing you from, being, from getting the most out of the family that God invites you to be part of? Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for being a perfect, loving father who adopts us into his family. For being a God who looks at us and no matter what we've done and says that you're valuable and I'm going to prove it by sending my son for you so that you can repent from your sins and come back to us. Dear God, I pray for the people in this room. The ones that are struggling with this idea that have been living life like church is a building or church is an event, but that you are inviting to be part of your family. If uh, while I was preaching today, something came up in your head, in your heart, that you've been struggling with, maybe it's that you need to be, you need to accept that grace that Jesus gave us. Maybe it's that you need to forgive somebody. And right here, right now, today, I want to give you the opportunity to say, God, I want to be part of your family. I want to take that step to belong to you, to be adopted by you, to accept that grace. If that's you, all I want to do is ask just to slip up a hand. Say, that's me. Can you pray for me? Dear God, I, I, I pray for people in this room that need to be reminded that you, we are part of your family. Thank you for adopting us. Dear God, I pray that you help us to forgive, help us to grow, help us to find the community we need. Thank you for sending your son to prove our value. Thank you for inviting us to be part of your family. Help us as the family to change this world, as the family to grow together, to learn more about each other. Help us as the family to see people know you. We love you, we praise you. In your son's name, amen. Let's close out today in this series uh, with this.